Hello? Hello? Hello, Cliffy? Cliffy, it's Uncle Cliff Cliff. Cliffy? It's podcast time. And now, the Birthday Boy Podcast. Bull stick of butter. Cliffy, it's Grandma Cliff Cliff. Give me a call at your convenience, okay? Cliff, this is your Uncle Cliff Cliff. Here's the host of Birthday Boy Podcast. The one and the only, Johnny Boy. My little baby boy. Baby butter boy. Womack style. Cliffy. I love you. Toggling your balls. Toggling your balls. Where's the rodeo? Uh, toggling his balls. I like your boots. Just below your nipple. Where are you headed? The biggest one yet. Toggle your balls. Toggling your balls. Fifty shades of gray. Slack, Cliffy. The biggest one yet. Cliffy. Oh my god. Hey there, teacher. It's going to be outrageous. What's my assignment? Your grandmother. I like your rubric. Break down L. Winslow. Oh, please. Degrade me. Cliffy baseball. Weep this. My little baby butter boy, little butter boy, clippy boy, baby boy. Sweet this. That's how you get blisters, Clippy. That's how you get blisters. Womack style. That sure tastes delicious. In my mouth. Hey, firewoman. Bibleopoly, Cliff. Where's the fire? Puzzle, your balls. You're a smoker. The oatmeal tasting booth. Toggling your balls. Toggle your balls. Baby Butter Boy. The biggest and the best. You goddamn Butter Boy, son of a bitch. I can't get out of fuck of you, son of a bitch. To the Womack family holiday spectacular. Your grandmother just told me the good news. Or as we like to call it, the pizzle. Hellman's mayonnaise. The rockets red glare, the bombs bursting in air, and a delicious Helios pizza in your oven. Puzzle your balls. Womack style. Oh boy. Oh oh boy, my little butter boy, my little cocoa boy, cocoa butter boy. Greetings, everyone. Good day. Good day to you. What's going on? How are you? Are you doing okay? Are you having a good day? Are you having a good week? I hope so. Welcome to the Birthday Boy Podcast. It's me, Johnny Boy. Like you fucking, like I've, you know, it's 14 episodes if you don't, I don't think I need to say that. But but here I am, this is, yeah, this is it, this is me. Are you having a good week? Has Has life been kind to you this week. I hope so. Um yeah, this week's been weird. It started out started out as a pretty regular old week. I mean, it's been fine. 
But uh, yeah, I'm going to start off. I got some sad news yesterday. We're going to have plenty, plenty of laughs here on the Birthday Boy podcast. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought I should really start out uh, with this topic because it sort of indirectly and in kind of a roundabout way relates to the Birthday Boy podcast. As you may recall, a few episodes ago, I, I want to say episode eight, I talked about uh, my first days at Seacoast Bank down in Florida, my uh, high to my conversion van interview with one Mr. John Turgeon, uh, director of finance, and subsequent walking in on me while I was taking a shit and yelling, "Hey John, hey John, we're going, <laughs> we're going, John, you in here?" Hey, John, you in here? We're going to eat. Um, And unfortunately, I I got news yesterday morning, early yesterday morning, uh, that Mr. Turgeon, John Turgeon, passed away earlier this week, which is really shocking. He was not that old. He was in his early 60s. He had a heart attack. Uh, He was out, I guess, doing yard work, evidently, from what I've heard, Tuesday night, which I can't, I mean, Jesus Christ, man, I mean, if you live anywhere and it's the middle of July, don't do yard work. Pay pay like a high school kid to do it. And certainly if you live in South Florida, oh my God, don't do yard work. Just like if you live in the north and you're, you know, above a certain age, don't shovel snow. Don't don't do that shit. Um so yeah, he went inside after doing some yard work, he had a heart attack, and uh yeah, and he died later that night, which is just like uh, it's shocking. I'm s- yeah, I'm still in shock. Like I said, yeah, we normally try to keep things light and fun and me talking about how I hate jerseys and things like that here on The Birthday Boy. But, you know, T- Turgeon was a part of this podcast. I've told uh, stories stories about him. You know, he was one of the first people that I met at Seacoast Bank. He gave me a driving interview tour of the town, you know, swerving across. Uh, you know, the lanes the lanes get bigger every time I tell the story. I think it started as like four lanes of traffic. Now it's like I think he swerved across 28 lanes of traffic <laughs> to pull into the mall to prove to me that they had, uh, you know, whatever number, uh, whichever number it was, it's 16 or 18. Is it 16? Uh, I think we've got a 16 cinema theater. Or maybe it's 18. At Turgeon, it's okay. It doesn't really, it's not going to make or break whether I'm moving to this town. If, you know, if you have two fewer or two more theaters, who cares? I have a baby. I'm not going to the movies. And oh, I think it's 18. Maybe it's 16. Well, you know what? Let me swerve across traffic. Let me swerve across 57 lanes of traffic. We'll go find out. Um, so I thought I really, it would be unfair to the, uh, to the, me- to the memory of, uh, of Turgeon to not to not mention his passing this week, and it's so like, dude was like I think sixty two, wasn't old. Um, fucking guy played golf like nonstop all the time. You know he was he loved that Florida heat. I remember sitting at lunch one time and he was talking about when he was a kid in Ohio and they would they would fly down for Christmas. His family would they would fly down to Florida to have like a golf vacation and he would get out of the plane and smell that hot, sticky, humid, wet disgusting air and just loved it he's so he was like a, you know he was a, a northern guy from ohio but he loved florida he was he was meant to live in florida because he's a you know he's a fucking golf nut too um but yeah goddamn turgeon john turgeon passed away tuesday night which sucks and uh so i thought um yeah you've you've heard the van story the the, the driving interview 
Um, I think I have a few stories I just want to tell that I think are they're funny stories. So I think that's you know when somebody dies, eh, I had to have the you know I gave one of the eulogies for my grandmother about a year ago and she passed away and got up and said some things um, for another relative earlier this year who passed away, Auntie Lynn. And it sucks, but I try to just keep things light and funny when I tell those stories because, like, it's it's a sh- it's shitty enough. Like, we all know, like, this person's gone and they're not coming back, so let's let's try to joke about stuff that happened and even even make it irreverent if possible. Um, so so I figure, uh, yeah, Turgeon. You know, Turgeon himself was like one of those, you know, there was a certain level of irreverence to John Turgeon. He would just, you know, he had like no filter. He was one of those guys, which I love, which, I, you know, he was just, he was a super sweet guy. He was a very nice guy, a family man, and just a good dude. He was at that bank for like 35 years, too. He was there since the mid-80s. He would always remind us that he was the he was responsible for the bank getting the first computer, the first time they got a computer. Which I'm not sure where that computer is because all I ever saw in the boardroom was the old timey stock ticker and a sailfish on the wall. So somewhere in there is a computer. We all used, um, you know, little uh, hammers and chisels and abacus type things. So I, but, but, uh, yeah, but I mean, he was, he's a fucking icon of that bank. He really is a fucking legend. And, uh, and everybody knew him. Everybody loved the guy. You know, he's like super involved in the United Way. Just, you know, just a good guy. And I think, like I said, you know, he, he had a pretty good sense of humor and pretty dry sense of humor, dry wit. And uh, so I think, you know, I think JT would appreciate if I told a couple couple quick stories. And then we'll move on. We will have, like, ridiculous things. I don't think I have any OJ today. Uh, let's take a break from that fucking guy. You know, enough of enough of OJ for a little while. You know, fuck him. Uh, yeah, but I've got some, I've got some, yeah, I've got some stories here. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm looking at my notes. Because I don't remember. I, I've already forgotten the notes that I've uh, that I make as we go through the week. So yeah, all right. Well, yeah, we got some things to talk about. I think some of I think I think some of this might be funny. If I can get a solid like ninety seconds of funny out of this, uh, what will probably be you know usually an hour, one to two hour podcast, then that's that's a huge success. Ninety seconds out of out of ninety minutes. That's fucking well. That, that's a new record for me for laughs. Um. Yeah, I mean, Turgeon was, yeah, like I said, he was just like, he was the kind of guy that had no filter. He would come in, you know, he was out for a couple days one time, and he came in, and he's like, sorry I'm out, guys, I had, uh, I had horrible diarrhea. (laughs) Like, okay, it was information that maybe we didn't need, but thank you for sharing. I'm glad that this problem has gone away, John. And, uh, I mean, he would, you know, he would say stuff like, he would tell me about his kids and his family and how, you know, he would say things about, you know, like, oh yeah, you know, this and that, talking about like his kids and, uh, you know, being, you know, being open as parents about just everything they were doing, you know, it's like sexual activity and things like that as, as like teens and into college and like, and I, you know, I remember staring at him wide-eyed because, you know, I had little tiny babies at the time. And he said, he said, yeah, he's like, if I could recommend it, just be be open and honest with your kids. Talk about that stuff because they're going to do it. They're going to do it whether you talk about it or not. So you might as well be talking about it. Make them comfortable and make them feel like they can share things with you so that they don't hide everything from you. And I said, holy shit, that's a great idea. Turgeon, 
you magnificent bastard, which I, I said that to him on many occasions if we would try to, if we were working on the yield rate analysis and we were trying to, you know, had a, had a discrepancy in a number somewhere and we, we would sit down either in his office or my office and go through it together and then we would find it and I would, you know, if, if, if oftentimes... Sometimes these mistakes would just correct themselves. We'd run a report and do nothing and then check it the next day and it would be fixed. And I would just look at him. I'd fist bump him and say, Turgeon, you magnificent bastard. You did it. You did it again. And then he would say, yep, good enough. <laughs> good enough for me. Our work here is done. And then go uh, kick up his feet and read the paper for a little bit. Such a good guy. Such a fucking good guy. Um yeah, I mentioned that he had, like, you know, just a, a no-filter, just an honest, straight-shooter kind of guy. Super nice, but, you know, told you how it was, told you like it is kind of thing. Um, you know, at work, at home, with his kids, with his family, with his friends, with his coworkers, with everybody. And so, you know, the thing I mentioned about, like, being open and honest with, their, with kids and with their, you know, sexuality and all that kind of thing, you know, there's activity and whatnot... And at the time, you know, I had like a, a, you know, Cam was maybe one or two and Kalen was like on the way, not even born yet. And I just, the thought of having those, those discussions with the child was like, oh my God, I, at the time, you know, I was like, I'm never having those kinds of talks ever. And then he, he mentioned that he had those talks all the time and now his kids tell him everything and there's no secrets and they're open and honest and have a great relationship. And I thought, oh yeah, that's probably a good idea. And so I've like, honestly, I'm not even, I'm not saying this to like, you know, make, make the story better or anything like that. I'm saying I've modeled some of my parenting style directly after John Turgeon, because he would tell me about, you know, the, the ways that he would talk with his kids and, and share everything and be open and honest. So like, you know, man, JT, thanks, man. I, you know, honestly, that's not even a, not an exaggeration. Like I, when I think about being honest about, you know, like, Cam's not even 10 yet, and I, you know, have been honest with her about, like, any drugs that I've ever done, which is minimal. I've only smoked weed in my life. But she knows about shit like that. She knows about, like, she knows what's going to happen to her when she hits the age of, you know, 11, 12, 13, and the body changes and things like that. You know, we just we just talk about everything. And that's like a lot of that comes from like talking to John Turgeon about how he, how he talks, uh, how he acts towards his kids. So yeah, JT, thanks, thanks for the uh, parenting advice and the uh, the model example. I've I have I have followed some of your some of your ways. No no joke, man. Um, Turgeon was an avid golfer, like fucking nuts about golfing. Like I said, I remember driving around in that van of his, having that interview. <clears throat> oh, Jesus. And, uh, you know, he's like, hey, well, I'm, uh, you know, a lot of people down here I have boats and they like to go around on the boat. I'm not really a boat guy. I'm a golf guy. People like boats. I don't really understand it. What do you get out on the water and then what are you supposed to do? You're just, you're just sitting out there in the middle of the ocean and what if your boat breaks down and then you're stuck? I'd rather just go play 18 holes of golf. I'm more of a golf guy. I'm not a boat guy. <laughs> and uh, so, boy, oh, boy, did this did this guy, did this Turgeon golf, Jesus Christ, endless, endless golf. And then if he wasn't golfing, uh, on a Monday morning, he was sitting at his desk recapping the entire whatever golf tournament took place that weekend. He had, you know, some kind of, like, 
photographic savant type sports memory where he could rem- he could remember every shot of the golf tournament that he watched the day before or the well, the whole weekend all, all four days of the tournament he could remember you know all of the shots all of the key shots and everything that happened same thing with a you know he was an Ohio State guy he was a you know rabid Ohio State fan went to Ohio State Buckeyes everything was Buckeyes he could recap every fucking down every play of the football game and every other football game that was on TV that weekend and then if he played golf 18 holes of golf or something the day before he could he could recap all of his shots on the golf game he could recap all of uh, Raul who was the, you know they were good buddies uh, Raul was another analyst at the bank who I worked with just a, another really great dude and Raul and Turgeon would go on little golfing trips up to Orlando to the Ledbetter Academy and get their golf swings videotaped and analyzed and all this stuff. And they would play golf every day and all, on the weekends and stuff like that. And uh, so, yeah, these guys are just, you know, he was just a nut about golf and football. And uh, and like I said, Raul and Turgeon would play golf all the time. They were great friends and they would just bust the shit out of each other. They would just bust each other's balls uh, to no end, and there was one time I remember sitting, we would all eat at lunch, we would all go to the cafeteria, the bistro, as I've mentioned, we would eat our bank meat, and uh, I remember Turgeon and Raul sitting there talking about, uh, John mentioned that he had to get an epidural, and uh, for, for whatever reason, and Raul said, epidural, isn't that for, isn't that just for girls, isn't that just for women, and Turgeon goes, what are you talking about? Yeah, isn't that just a? That's a. Women get that when they're pro, when they're going into labor, don't they? The women get that shot. Isn't that just a woman's? Isn't that just a girl's thing? And Turgeon's like, well, what the hell is wrong with you? Anyone who has a spine can get an epidural. I have a spine. I I've gotten an epidural before. And Raul goes, yeah. So it is a shot for girls. Turgeon, he's holding his bank meat sandwich, just about to take a bite. He stops. He pauses. Sandwich in his hands in midair. He just looks at Raul and smirks, and he goes, Raul, every day you do something new to prove to the entire world just what an idiot you are. And then he just continued eating his sandwich, (laughs) and I was cracking up. Uh, and that was the kind of shit that they would do. And then uh, Carlene, who was another, who, who she, Carlene was the one who texted me to tell me that Turgeon had passed away. She was the head of AP uh, in, the, in the accounting department, uh, accounts payable, and another another great human being, a Rhode Islander, who was a longtime Floridian at this point. And uh, oh man, Turgeon and Carlene, I mean, they worked together for twenty years or so. They would bust each other's balls endlessly. And Carlene, like myself, we both lived in Port St. Lucie. Port St. Lucie's, uh, you know, the pizzle. It's the pizzle. And uh, and Turgeon lived in Jensen Beach. Stewart, Jensen Beach, uh, Palm City, those little areas, you know, Martin County areas were nice. It's a good schools, you know, better better neighborhoods, let's just say. And uh, and then, uh, you know, all that that old money. (laughs) Nah. And that's where that's where Seacoast was located, and then out in St. Lucie County, you know, it's a little, little bit more of that uh, that Johnny Boy crowd, a little, little, <laughs> a little grittier, a little dirtier, beards, guys in beards just walking around in boxer shorts, like me. Um, anyways, Turgeon would would make fun of 
would make fun of St. Lucie County and Port St. Lucie. And Carlene and I lived in Port St. Lucie, and he would say things like, oh, boy, you know, did you ever notice that the uh, there's no there's no golden corrals in Martin County? Did you notice that the, when they built the uh, they built the golden corral, they put it on the other side of Port St. Lucie Boulevard there on US One, on the St. Lucie side, <laughs> the St. Lucie side of the highway, and uh, and it would infuriate Carlene, and she would just she would just flip out. But she's like, who who gives a shit about what are you talking about? Uh, the Golden Corral. Who gives a shit about? So what if it's in St. Lucie? So what? If, that doesn't mean anything. People like people are gonna go eat restaurants anywhere. And Turgeon would say, "I'm I'm just saying, it's there's no Golden Corral in Martin County. You're not gonna find the Golden Corral in Stewart or Jensen Beach, but they've got one in St. Lucie. I think that's more of a. That's probably because it's more of a. The Golden Corral is more of a Port St. Lucie thing, anyways. I don't think it would fly too well in Martin County. I think that's more of a Port St. Lucie. And she would just flip the fuck out. And I didn't give a shit because I'm not like you know. I I moved there because I had to. And I okay, this place is pretty inexpensive, and I didn't have to worry about school, so didn't didn't offend me. But yeah, poor Carlene, <laughs> just flip out. Uh, and then you know, Carlene. Uh, Turgeon would then tell her that he was a better cook than she was, and Carlene's a very good cook, as I recall, as I understand. And he would say, uh, Carlene, nobody makes a better stuffed pepper than me. And she would flip out and she would say, Ah, oh, you, what are you talking about? You don't know anything. You, I'm a, you're not a better cook than me. I, well, Carlene, we'll have a, we'll have a taste test, and you make yours, and I'll make my stuffed peppers, and we'll bring everyone in, and they can test it out, and we'll see who votes for whom. And then I, I would just say, like, oh, Turgeon, you've got my vote already, because you're my boss, and so I'm going to vote for you. And uh, so, yeah, he would just, he would break her balls about anything and everything, but it was always play, it was always, like, yeah, it was shit like that, like Golden Corral and Port St. Lucie, he would make fun of Port St. Lucie endlessly, and he would make fun of, you know, he would, he would bust her balls that he's a better cook and all this stuff, it was, there was nothing, uh, never anything malicious, it was always, it was always just funny stuff, just, like, harmless, you know, good-natured stuff, and then at the end of the day, he was just a really, uh, really caring guy, and, you know, but he, he'd break balls, but he could take it, too, that's the, that's the fucking... That's the key to, if you're going to break somebody's balls, you have to be able to take it when they break your balls back. There's some very, there's a lot of people that I know, not that many, but there's a couple. There's one or two that you just, they'll sit there all day busting your fucking ass. And you're just kind of like, yeah, yeah, and it's not really even that funny. And then you just, like, you fire back with some, you know, just something. Like, okay, well, it's a give and take. You're Okay, you had your chance, now here comes the receipt. And then they, you know, they get all mopey and, you know, stomp away. <laughs> you can't, you can't say anything because they can dish it out all day. And then you turn one thing around on them and they, they, they walk away. And Turgeon wasn't one of those guys. He was fucking, you could, you know, he'd break your balls. Raul would break his balls. He'd break them back, break, you know, just great. And uh, there was one day where we were at lunch and Turgeon was talking about, uh, you know, how much it costs each semester for, like, his daughter's, I don't know, like, sorority or something like that. I don't really know. And, uh, and somebody, I think it was, I think it was Chuck who was my boss, the controller, he said, <laughs> he said, Turgeon, you're gonna have to get another job. And then I said, yeah, you know, uh, 
I wouldn't be surprised if later this afternoon we look out the window and we see Turgeon, uh, you know, t- changing his shirt and putting deodorant on his pits uh, right there next to Bobby, about to clock in for his uh, for his evening job. And Tur- he fucking laughed at that. He was my boss, and I'm like, you know, there's some I have bosses, uh, f- you know, from from other jobs where if I said something like that, they would grab me by the pants and throw me throw me out the door. And Turgeon, uh, you know, Turgeon <laughs> Turgeon laughed at it. Uh, there was another time where uh, I think it was right around, uh, I think it was just before Kaylin was born, actually. And Kaylin was born at Martin Memorial Hospital in Stewart, Florida in 2011, September 15th. And, um, and probably about a month before that, you know, we we're talking about, you know, getting ready for the new baby and all this stuff. And, and Turgeon, Turgeon asked if I was going to get my tubes tied. He asked if I was going to get a vasectomy. I'm like, I, uh, I don't know. I, John, I haven't get, I haven't given it much thought quite frankly. And then he just stops and he says, well, just make sure you're, if you do get your tubes tied, just make sure you time it right. Like, what do you, what do you mean? Time it right. It's like, well, it's like, listen, you're going to be icing your balls for a week. Those balls are gonna be, those balls are gonna be sore for a week. My balls were sore when I had my vasectomy, and your balls are gonna be sore for a week. So make sure you time it. Make sure it's football season, so there's plenty of games on TV or something that you can watch, because you're just gonna be sitting there doing nothing but watching football and icing your balls. And then I said something to the effect of like, Jesus Christ, Turgeon, <laughs> you must get a vasectomy every week. The amount of football you watch. And he laughed, and we, and we moved on. But it was a great, it's just a, like a quick, you'll be icing your balls for a week. <laughs> Make sure you time it during football season. <laughs> so thank you for that advice, John, as well. The uh, the vasectomy advice. And and some I, and it's funny, every, every time, I don't really, I don't know that there's any real major need for a vasectomy. Maybe that'll happen. I don't know. It seems to be, we seem to be doing fine without it. But when the time comes, I, you know, whenever I think about it, like, yeah, I guess maybe I should get one. I don't know. But then I think, well, it's uh, it's late June. I mean, what's what am I going to do? There's no f- football's over. There's no March. At least it was, it was March. I could watch, you know, the tournament and ice my balls. So I always I think about that. If the time ever comes, <laughs> the time comes that I have to tie, tie the old tuberinos, then I will absolutely take John Turgeon's advice and do it at the right time so that I can sit and ice my balls and watch football or basketball or whatever's on. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was just a couple, a couple memories of Turgeon. And then, you know, in between all that stuff, he would, you know, he'd, he'd sit there, he could easily sit there for, for two hours talking about, you know, Saturday's Ohio state game or the golf tournament or him playing golf or anything related to golf or football. He could sit there for, you know, Man, if if there's anybody who should have had a podcast to talk about golf and football, it was that dude. He should have had like the official Ohio State Buckeyes, the Buckeyes podcast or something like that. Um, but but you know, in between all that stuff and like you know breaking balls, like a he was a super smart guy. I mean, he was the director of finance. They don't just like, hey, here you go, you're the director of finance. Um, you know, any asshole can be Alco boy like me, but but you have to really know your shit to be director of finance. That guy knew his shit. So he was a super smart guy, a funny guy, and and you know most importantly just a really good dude, just a really really 
you know, a caring guy. Like I, you know, I, I made, you know, like I said, Jay, Chris, Carlene were really good friends that I made at Seacoast, you know, Turgeon and I, I wouldn't say that we became friends. I haven't, I hadn't talked to Turgeon since I left in 2012 it was the last time I saw him or talked to him it was probably, you know, June or July of 2012 before moving up to Charlotte. Um, you know, so we weren't we weren't best buddies or anything like that. But he was a guy. You know, he was my boss, and he was a guy that could you know get real serious about work. He could get real light about you know funny stuff, and then he could um, you know I didn't have a lot of a lot of real like bonding moments with any of my managers or anything like that. Any of my bosses, they were all you know fine. But Turgent was the one that like we would have you know occasionally would have some nice chats. He would talk about his you know. He had, you know, three great kids who were at, one was at, like, Florida State. I think UCF was the other, maybe Florida or South Florida. I can't remember, but, you know, all all in really good schools in the state of Florida. And he was, he had, he had that fucking high-top conversion van. And anyone who's ever worked for Seacoast in the last 35 years has probably ridden in that van at some point to go to the Ale House or to, uh, or to uh, what's the other one, um, across the street, uh, Flanagan's. And, uh, you know, any of those other places, you probably rode in that van with Turgeon behind the wheel and, you know, the fucking CEO and the CFO and all the little analysts from the accounting and, and finance department and anybody else, you know, from uh, you know, guys from auditing or <laughs> from audit or anything like that. It was just, just crazy driving around in this 20-year-old conversion van, which he kept in fucking pristine condition. Um, but, yeah, sometimes I'd just be in his office talking about work stuff and then he would you know he would talk about his kids he would drive that he would drive that fucking van all over the state of florida up to tallahassee to deliver a you know a couch or to pick up his kids or whatever and uh you know he would talk about you know one of his one of his kids you know just ha you know having uh you know one won't get into details obviously but uh you know having some some health concerns at one point um and then just you know turgeon just talking about uh you know i remember saying I remember Turgeon saying that uh, you know he had he had gone out to to pick her up, uh, you know had a I think she had a car accident or something like that, and he had to go. That, that's what it was. It wasn't a health thing. It was a car accident. One of his kids was in a car accident. Told I don't know if she totaled the car or something like that, and he had to go get her. Took the conversion van and fuck. You know people people always underestimate Florida as like oh it's not that big, man. It's to get from the top of Florida to the bottom of Florida is a day's drive easily. Everybody, you know, we used to think like, yeah, we're in Florida. The the drive from New York is almost over. And then like five hours later, <laughs> you get to the hotel. So like driving from like southeast Florida all the way up to like, you know, whatever, the panhandle up to Tallahassee and those places is like, that's like, I don't know, six, seven, eight hours. It's a long, it's a fucking long drive. And he would do that all the time. And, uh, you know, he would talk about, he would say, he would talk about the importance of like being safe and healthy and all this stuff, which is, you know, it's kind of sad now. He was, you know, talking about how concerned he always was for his kids. And he said, uh, you know, no matter how old you get, you still worry about your kids. Uh, and he said, when your parents are gone, that's it. They're gone. And, uh, you know, you're always, your kids are always going to be your kids. And your parents are always going to be your parents, no matter how old they get or no matter how, how old you get. So we would have, like, nice conversations like that, man. And he was, like, he was just a sweetheart of a guy. And he really just gave a shit about a lot of things about whether it was golf or football or his family or, you know, the United Way 
or you know whatever just you know breaking Raul's balls about uh, about anything or Carlene's or anyone else just a really really good dude so uh, thank you Turgeon wherever you are man it sucks that you're gone I fucking can't believe it man oh god damn it that's so shitty but uh, man my the ripple effects of the decision that you were very largely a part of to bring me down to that bank when you talk we had our phone interview and also on the phone interview all you did was talk about Ohio State football and Florida football and golf there was very little <laughs> there was very little about the actual job or my qualifications which is how I knew right away I was like oh, I like this guy he's not fucking breaking my balls on he's not he's not breaking my balls on ridiculous things like how capable are you of of performing this job so uh, I appreciated that, <laughs> but uh, yeah, because so much of that, you know, being brought in for any job is like personality. Yeah, you can do the job. Any fucking asshole can do a job if they really work hard and they learn what they have to do. Um, you know, college is, you know, it's pretty fucking overrated. Um, we'll get that'll be another topic for another time. But uh, you know, but personality is such a big part of like working somewhere, working in a team. You have to like, you have to like the people that you work with. You don't have to, but it fucking doesn't hurt. Um, so these guys brought me in largely because they just liked me. You know, I wasn't, I didn't have a ton of experience. I sure as hell wasn't an accountant, but they brought me in to be a senior financial analyst in an accounting department at a bank in a town that I had never heard of and a bank that I had never heard of. So, uh, yeah, man. Turgeon was a big part of that, and then, you know, flying me down to have my, my tour of Stewart, Florida and surrounding areas, Jensen Beach, <laughs> the movie theater, the Hampton Inn, and then many, many, many van rides to the Ale House over the, over the years that would follow. Uh, so thank you, John, uh, deciding to bring me in. And like I said, the, the fucking ripple effect of that decision is, you know, it's still happening. It's going to be happening forever. So that was, you know, that was life-changing. It was really you know, a mix of emotions at the time, moving to Florida, you know, I always, I always bitch about how much I hated Florida and how much it sucked, but it didn't all suck. It was, there was a lot of good memories and a lot of those were at work and, you know, Turgeon was a part of a lot of, of, of a lot of those, of a lot of those happy memories and, and things like that. So, you know, fucking, I don't, uh, I don't, um, I don't believe in the whole like destiny thing, that whole like, you know, hey, we're all destined to do this and everything happens for a reason. I think that's bullshit, quite frankly. I think, you know, because that that uh, that undermines the idea of like free will and making your own choice. I didn't have to choose to go to Florida. I was I was actually I think I had turned it down at first, and then they you know they sweetened the deal and and said, okay, fuck, why not? Let's see what happens. But I don't think that was it. Wasn't like a destiny thing. Like I could have. There's a there's an alternate universe where I'm living in New York and I'm perfectly happy, and there's an alternate universe where. Uh, I'm, you know, I move someplace else and I'm perfectly happy and like, you know, I'm, I'm happy that the, that the events panned out the way they did in this particular timeline, the one that I'm in right now, I like that because the things that have happened have been awesome and the people that I've met have been awesome and the places I've gone and everything that's happened has been amazing. But I don't subscribe to this idea that things, you know, everything happens for a reason. You just like, you make choices. 
it's not like oh there's something you're on like this you know rail like a roller coaster and you're just going where you go and you have no control that's bullshit you fucking make choices and things happen and sometimes things are out of your control but it's not like you know it's not this whole like destiny thing and people everything happens for a reason no it doesn't everything happens and then you turn it into a reason you create your reason for things happening that's that's what happens you know, reason my ass, you know, I took a shower this morning. The reason was because I was fucking filthy. That's That happened for a reason. I took a shower for a reason. That kind of thing happens for a reason. But it's not like there's, you know, every single fucking thing, well, it all happened for a reason. It's all part of a bigger plan. Fuck that. That's not true. I don't believe that for a second. I think you do things that you do, some of it's good, some of it sucks, and then you, you as you go along, you can look back and have the advantage of hindsight and say, oh, okay, wow, could you imagine if I didn't do that, this wouldn't have happened, or if I had made that choice, this would have happened, I'm really glad I did this, and I, you can, and you, by the way, you can have regrets too, there's nothing wrong with being regretful about things, boy, I wish I hadn't done this, I wonder what would have happened, if, anyways, my, my point in all of that, I don't think it was any great, like, destiny that brought me to to Stewart, Florida or anything like that. It just happened to be that came along at that time. And first I said, no, I'm not really interested. And then I said, yeah, you know, fuck it. I'm interested. Let's let's see what happens. Let's roll the goddamn dice and see what happens. And I'm really glad I did. And John Turgeon was a big part of that happening because he had a fucking a huge say in whether or not I got that job. Because, you know, that could have... That could have been destiny. Was that those three guys, John Turgeon and uh, and Bill and Chuck, said, "Wow, this guy's an asshole. We don't want him." And you know, things would be very, very different. So I appreciate it, Turgeon. You uh, you really did change my life. It's unbelievable, and I fucking can't believe you're gone, man. That sucks. That sucks. But you were great. You were hilarious. Super sweet guy. And uh, you, uh, yeah. There's a big. There's a big uh, golf course size hole. In uh, in South Florida somewhere, because uh, it just fucking sucks that you're you're not there anymore. So, uh, Godspeed, buddy. Uh, you will be missed big time. Okay, let's uh, let's come back and do like birthday boy podcast type stuff. Okay, somewhere out there, somewhere out there, John Turgeon is listening to this. He finally, you know, got around. Now he's got all this time on his hands, and he's saying, "What the fuck? This guy's going on for thirty minutes. Get to get to some funny shit, Hopkins, you asshole." So let's do just that. In the name of John Turgeon, let's have some let's have some fucking laughs. So uh, let's let's do that. All right, we'll be back. That's loud. Eh, fuck it. Let's listen to this for a sec. (sighs) That's a a band I would like to see, now that I think about it. Really like to see these guys live, I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah. Anyway. Alright. So listen. You may recall 
a few weeks ago. We were on vacation, and I made fun of the news down there in Myrtle Beach because they didn't have much to talk about. Uh, well, it turns out the news in New Hampshire is not that much different. <laughs> it's just that I don't watch the news in New Hampshire because I usually watch. It, you know, when you live in the right on the right on the tip, right on the border of Massachusetts and New Hampshire, you get. You get the news station from New Hampshire. There's only one, WMUR, and then you get news from Boston. That's that's the majority. You know, if you're watching NBC, if you're watching Fox, if you're watching CBS, it's Boston. And there's a few others in Boston. And then there's and then there's two ABC channels because that's the New Hampshire WMUR is ABC, and then WCVB I think is the other one, which is that's the ABC channel out of Boston. So you get uh, you get uh, two ABCs. It's unbelievable. Uh, so I don't usually watch the New Hampshire news because I don't have much of a need for it. Yeah, because really, you know, when we moved here in 2015, yeah, I've been commuting to Boston ever since. So I need to know what's going on in Boston more so than I need to know what's going on in New Hampshire. And when you look at the New Hampshire news, it's for the whole state because there's only a million people and it's not that big of a state. And when you get way up into the mountains, there's like five people who live up there and the rest of the people are vacationing. So the New Hampshire news is the whole state. So you get a little bit of where you live and then you get like the forecast for the mountains, which is the fucking mountains. So it's com- it could be completely, it could be having you know, thunderstorms and it could be sunny and clear. It's, it does, doesn't matter. Although in fairness, the same could be said of the difference between Boston and Nashua. It's usually like a difference of sometimes 10 or 20 degrees, uh, you know, just being that much closer to the coastline and whatever, who cares? There's a bunch of news stations. I usually watch the Boston news stations because that's more relevant for my needs. And uh, the only thing I care about on the news is the weather, anyways. So I like it. And the commute, uh, which is all they don't really, I don't know why they even have like a commute report. On these uh, on these news channels going into Boston because it should just say fucking awful. That's your commute today. Uh, get used to your car because you're going to be spending the next two to three hours in it, and then again on your way home. <coughs> wow, my voice doesn't get like this until I turn on the podcast thing. Uh, anyways, anyways, uh, so, oh, whoa, whoa. So that's too loud. I'm doing this. I, I've gotten to a point where I'm so. <sighs> My excuse is that I try to not go back and record over if I make a mistake. The reason that I give to myself is like, what if someday I'm live on the radio and I'll just need to do this on the fly and there's no there's no do overs. The real truth is I'm just fucking a lazy sack of shit who could just very easily click the stop button and then I could go back and do it over. But I'm not. Here I am. Uh, what was I talking, talking about? Oh, the news, the news. So, so Kim had the New Hampshire news on the, the other day and, and I follow the New Hampshire news stations on Facebook. It's not like I ignore them. I just don't go to them for my news and my weather for the most part. Um, because Boston is, uh, is you know, seems to seems to cover more of what I need. And they, they also, you know, they usually mention Southern New Hampshire in their forecast too. So it's like, okay, I don't really need the New Hampshire station. Uh, we had the New Hampshire station on the other day and wow, there's, there's not much going on in New Hampshire, much like Myrtle beach. There's very little going on here. Uh, but rather than just me doing imitation, why don't I play you some of the clips from the New Hampshire news from the other day and some of the hard hitting stories that they were covering. 
Now time for our You Local Hotshot. This pup had the right idea during the heat wave. Put on the dog goggles and hop in the pool, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> you just need a float behind him. You can share your shots of life in New Hampshire by joining the You Local group on the WMUR Facebook page. Yes. That was, uh, it's, it doesn't make great radio, but trust me when I tell you what was happening, what was happening in that video, uh, it was a picture of a, it was a picture of a dog wearing sunglasses at a swimming pool. Isn't that crazy? Oh, it actually, I mean, look, there's not a lot of that shit going on on the Boston news stations because there's actual news going on in, you know, larger cities like that. So it is somewhat less stressful. I found it's like, oh man, I could just watch the New Hampshire uh, news and like nothing's happening. And, uh, you know, because Boston acknowledges New Hampshire, like the Boston news acknowledges like, oh yeah, we've got a lot of commuters and people living in Southern New Hampshire who need to know the commute and the forecast. And we'll tell them, hey, it's going to be 70 degrees in Nashua today. So like they, they mention it. Massachusetts, there's no, nothing exists when you watch the New Hampshire station. It's just New Hampshire. They don't even, like, even on the map, it's just like, it's. I think Massachusetts just scribbled out. It just, you know, it says, like, New Hampshire, Vermont, and then underneath it, like, who knows, some fucking, some fucking place, or it says mass holes live here, or something like that. They don't, they don't give a shit about the weather in Boston or anywhere in Massachusetts. Uh, so... So it's like, it really is, it's like its own little little bubble, and dogs are wearing sunglasses, swimming in the pool as if nothing else is going on in the world, and it's, uh, you have a little fun here, this uh, this pup got out of the sun, uh, beat the heat, wearing his cool shades. And then this hard-hitting story. ...is to release a whiskey later this summer. Not that one. Police in Utah suspected foul play when mm -hmm. they responded to a burglary. The perpetrator... Oh, yes, that turkey. It broke through a home window while the homeowners were away. When officers arrived, they found the unfortunate turkey who was taken to a vet for treatment after a few photographs. Uh, so it was a story about a turkey in fucking Utah. At first I thought, like, oh, wow, is it, you know, there's turkeys running. There's all kinds of wildlife, critters, you know, you moose sightings and bears and all kinds of shit running around New Hampshire, not even up in the mountains. Sometimes right here in Nashville, you got bears running around in the local parks. So I thought, okay, well, that's relevant. There's a turkey broke into somebody's house. It's fucking Utah. There's not even a turkey. You can't find... Does nobody have turkeys in New Hampshire breaking into windows? We got to go all the way to fucking Utah? Who cares a shit about Utah? But then the best part is, like, they try to have, like, the playful banter afterwards, and nobody has any, like, jokes or puns or anything to say. I mean, he, he used up he used up his one pun, which is foul play. Huh? You see what I did there? And so they <laughs> used up their one pun to the guys. The two fucking guys try to have, like, some kind of banter about it, you know, a little little repartee, and it uh, it goes nowhere, which is even, even better than the story itself. But uh, I've heard of this happening before. <laughs> I mean, they are wild. Yeah, they are wild. No one was home. They wanted to go inside. Mm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. Temperatures upper 60s to lower 70s. I, I have no puns for that. Yeah. You'll notice the temperatures climbing a lot. Nothing to say. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, isn't that a wild story? <laughs> and then he's he does, like, the fake laugh. Because he does, he's like, oh my god, we've got like eight seconds to kill. We got to try and vamp here, and we've got no. We're out of turkey puns. We're out of turkey puns. This fucking idiot. I'm working with. It's amateur hour. I heard, I said foul play. You don't have a fucking turkey pun. You sack of shit. You can't come up with a goddamn turkey pun. You fuck. 
Uh, so that turkey uh, was really involved in some foul play. Huh? What do you say there, Jim? Uh, <laughs> he really, really uh, gobbled up the go turkey, gobbled up the bird feather. You're fucking fired, Jim. I'm fucking I'm working with a fucking amateur. I'm trying to get a fucking pun out of you. Fucking foul play. What do you? That's all you got? Is he gobbled? He's gobble gobble, huh? You fucking go gobble gobble your ass out of here. You're fucking fired. I'm gonna get a new anchor, a new fucking co-anchor who can who can come up with a goddamn pun on the fly. You fucking asshole. That's what I imagine happened as soon as the cameras stopped rolling. I mean, you know, if you're if you're in the fucking news business, you can't come up with one goddamn turkey pun aside aside from foul play. You're in the wrong business, asshole. You should gobble-gobble your way out, out the fucking door. Uh, you know how they knew that was a turkey and not some other kind of bird? Uh, how is that, Jim? Because he wasn't in disguise. <laughs> get it? Because the skies and... Uh, that's, that's the best you got, Jim. Get the fuck out of here. I, I, I'd rather have no puns. I'd rather you sit there and say gobble-gobble, you fucking asshole, instead of that shit. Get the fuck out of here. You're fucking fired. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a cutthroat industry that news business. You don't have a if you don't have like at least six bird puns in your back pocket at any given time, you're not gonna last. So I'm sure we've seen the last of that uh, poor bastard. So so although I don't really watch the news per se out of New Hampshire, out of WMUR W WAMUR, uh, I do regularly record and watch. New Hampshire Chronicle, which is like the nighttime kind of magazine, you know, just pretty, pretty lighthearted stuff. Uh, and, and it's hosted by like the two, the two main news anchors. I don't think they let them sleep. I think they just, uh, they have like the guy and the girl and they're on the news in the morning at the anchor desk. And then they do this chronic, you know, New Hampshire Chronicle thing that they're out all week, you know, on location, you know, shooting these different segments and things. I don't think they let them sleep. Uh, but I do love watching it because it's just, you know, shit shit that's going on in the area. Or like, hey, you know, come check out this amusement park. Or, hey, you know, the sandcastles are at the beach. Come check it out. Or, you know, all this all this crap. And it's very helpful. It's very informative. That's the part of that's Those are the things that I want to find out about New Hampshire. I don't give a shit about the weather in New Hampshire because I'm, you know, spending traveling to Boston. I want to know what's to do when I'm not in Boston in New Hampshire. What's, the, you know, theme parks and things in the mountains and restaurants and all this, you know, special, you know, events and interest things. So I enjoy watching that. My favorite part of New Hampshire Chronicle is the final segment, which is, of course, Fritz Weatherby's New Hampshire. Fritz Weatherby is, of course, an old newsman himself, and uh, he's like, if you if you had never been to New Hampshire and you just showed up in New Hampshire on your first day and somebody just turned on the TV, you would expect that all of the channels would just have Fritz Weatherby-type things on them. He's just like, just an old man telling stories about New Hampshire, and uh, he's great. He's hilarious. You know, he's real dry. Guy's 80-something years old and, you know, used to be on the radio, used to be on the news, all this stuff. And now he's, you know, he does these, his little, uh, you know, two or three-minute segments every night on, on New Hampshire Chronicle. And uh, <clears throat> most of the time, it's just, you know, he's he's on location talking about, uh, you know, this historic building or this town hall or so-and-so used to live here and this historic figure is from here and it's, it's it's a lot of history and stuff like that and then you know usually once maybe twice a week he'll tell one of his tales and he's got this whole cast of characters 
with these ridiculous names, or uh, my my good friend Binky Shears and my good friend Webster Webster, and all these fucking ridiculous. Uh, they were eating at the Buckaburger Dollar Dog, and like, who knows what the fuck he's talking about? He tells these ridiculous stories, but it's you know it's very folksy and it's fun, and I I love watching this guy. So there was one uh, particular one a couple years ago that I liked. It was one of his tall tales. Uh, let's listen to some of it right right now. And by the way, he's got, like, his intro is this old song called Old Fashioned Home in New Hampshire, and it's him, and he's got, like, the Victrola. It's just, you know, it's about as New Hampshire as it gets. Yeah, there you go. That's how you know old Fritzy's on. Fritch, Fritch Weatherby's New Hampshire. And then he's got this absurd stories. My friend Binky Sears was down at the Buckburger Dollar Dog in the morning sitting with his friends along with Binky Webster Webster was there and Tootie Magic Fellow and uh-huh. Keith Pomeroy and Rusty Fenderson. The guys were having <laughs> coffee and pie talking about... I don't know what the fuck... I, I, Binky Sears, Webster Webster... I, what was that fucking Tootie Fajaka Fall? Tootie Fuckajavall? I don't know what the fuck he said. What did he say? Toter, Luther Pomeroy. I mean, like he's got like these, you know, these one-word names, and then he's like, "Fuck a jabuka jabal." Like, what are you? <laughs> what is he talking about? Uh, I love it though. It's ridiculous stories. How the town was getting to look like Connecticut lately. Everything painted and lawns mowed and cute little signs everywhere. This was not the Sawyer they knew when they were growing up here. That was a soya of rust and white goods and deer carcasses hung outside the garage. But then Wheezy Wentworth hired the boys to make repairs to her front porch. And then Libby Punkwart hired the boys to replace her front door. Kidding and then, of course, Webster Webster's wife, Loretta, had the boys put in a picket fence out in front of the house. A picket fence, for God's sakes. Who needs a picket fence? For God's sakes. It works okay, Tootie said, but there are a lot of guys whose work is just as good. Well, they aren't expensive, Rusty said, but they ain't cheap either. Oh, let's not kid ourselves, Luther said. The Bellamy boys are not being hired for their work. They're being hired so our wives can have something to talk about. You got to admit they are a handsome pair. And they are good-looking boys, big and strapping with even white teeth, great smiles. They brought that Vermont attitude with them, Rusty said. They're some good-looking fellows. and arugula, that's what I call them, Luther said. Well, Mickey said, it's nice that the ladies have a hobby, he said. And everybody guffawed, Luther said. And then everybody took another sip of coffee all together. And, and that's that's it. That's the fucking that's the story. That's the thing. His story is just like uh, Webster Webster and Footy Fucker Jafal hired these uh, two boys from Vermont to paint their fence. And what happened was they had uh, rather rather immense, uh, how do you say, uh, cocks there. And uh, the Webster Webster and Binky Shears were not not pleased that their wives were spending so much time looking at their naked boys. Although, 
Webster Webster and Fucky Fonkavoy had to admit that they were rather well hung and had delightful looking balls. And it took me like I had to listen to these fucking stories, I don't know how many times, and rewind them before I realized, like, what is he saying? Like, what is he? Webster Webster and Binky Sears were down at the Barker Burger Dogadaw. And he's saying, Buck a Burger Dollar Dog. That's the name of the little eatery where they eat to get burgers and dogs. And then every, every week he's got a new fucking character with some ridiculous name, more ridiculous than the last, so... Uh, Binky Sears walked into the buck, the Buckaburger Dollar Dog, where Webster Webster and all the usual characters were sitting enjoying their morning coffee. You had uh, Flippy Fart Mouth, you had Stinky Rat Fuck, Pussy Lips Langston, Fern Piss Stains, Franklin Clitoris, Arnold P. Quackers, Fauntleroy Fuckleberry, and of course Anus Von Sweets were all enjoying coffee and... Well, wouldn't you know, Stinky Ratfuck looked up from his hot dogs and said, I came here to do two things. Eat hot dogs and fuck your wife. And I'm almost out of hot dogs. Well, it didn't take a quarryman to know that Stinky Ratfuck was talking directly to Fauntleroy Fuckleberry in reference to Fauntleroy's wife, Tits Lazenby. Fauntleroy looked up from his coffee and said, Now you listen here, stinky rat fuck. I don't care if you are friends with Flippy Fart Mouth and Fern Piss Stains. Tits Lazenby's my wife, you hear? If you come anywhere near her, I'll slit your goddamn throat and leave you bleeding all over this motherfucking counter. You understand that, you sack of shit? You stinky rat fuck you? Well, as you can imagine, just as Fauntleroy Fuckleberry was about to get up with his switchblade and shank stinky rat fuck, suddenly, wouldn't you know, old Mavis Felchmonger pushed herself out from the bar, causing Fauntleroy Fuckleberry to get his trousers caught on the bottom of the bar stool, causing them to rip completely off of Fauntleroy Fuckleberry's bottom. As you can imagine, uh, Fauntleroy Fuckleberry lost his balance and started to topple forward. Everyone gasped, including Tootie Fuckajevolve, Mavis Felchmonger, Flippy Fartmouth, Stinky Ratfuck, Pussy Lips Langston, Fern Piss Stains, Franklin Clitoris, Arnold P. Quackers, and even Anus Vaughn Sweets, and even Fauntleroy Fuckleberry's wife, Tits Lazenby, all gasped. And then Fauntleroy Fuckleberry toppled right over, falling on top of Stinky Ratfuck his naked cock landing inside of Stinky's mouth. Everyone at the Buckaburga Dollar Dog gasped again, as this was indeed a sight to behold. Fauntleroy Fuckleberry looked down at Stinky Ratfuck, savoring the irony that Stinky just moments before mentioned that he was all done eating wieners, chuckled to himself and said, Well, Stinky, I guess you've had your cock and eaten it too. Coming up next, your hometown weather. Smoke in the air occupies my cage. Mm. Do 
That Fritzy. He is a character. So I, I talked to... Uh, actually talked on the phone with some old friends. This is just the week of like... Reuniting with old uh, former co-workers who are, of course, good friends. Unfortunately, in the case of Turgeon, you know, it sucks when shitty news and sad situations bring people together, but I guess that's the silver lining, right? You get to, like, I was texting with some people that I hadn't texted with in a while, and so it was kind of nice, you know, in addition to the friends from all the all the places I work that I normally stay in touch with, it was nice to have, you know, talk to some people from Seacoast that I hadn't talked to in a while. Uh, in addition to that, not Seacoast related, but my old place of employment, which was known as Balance Sheet Solutions, in Albany, I uh, worked there. It was my last job in New York before I left to go to Seacoast and to go to Florida. And this week, on I think it was on Monday, I talked to uh, Jim, Matt, my old boss, and uh, Chris. Not Chris from Florida, Chris from New York, who is a female as opposed to the male Chris from Florida. Anyways... We talked, uh, they were all at work, and I called them on Monday just to catch up because they know they work at a new location. I can't remember the name of the place, but they're all still together, which makes me happy. I like, I like, uh, I have so many, oh man, I have so many fond memories of working with those guys. So many, so many laughs. Holy shit. And of course, we talked for like maybe an hour on Monday and uh, during lunch, and it brought up all the old, all the old classic stories, all the memories. There's too many to tell now. But we, we always, you know, some are like maybe even too inappropriate for this podcast, which is, which is, uh, that's, that's saying something. Uh, and so we, so we, we relived some old stories from the old days, uh, back when I worked with those guys at Balance Sheet Solutions. And, uh, of course, what always comes up every time we talk, whether it's an email or in person or on the phone, is we mention our good buddy Scooby, Steve who Jim, uh, Jim lovingly named Scooby, because I think that was after Scuba Steve from that Adam Sandler movie, The Big Daddy. Was it Big Daddy? Yeah, it was Big Daddy. I think it was Big Daddy. Big Daddy. Uh, so it was Steve, then Scuba Steve, and then just Scooby. So we, we all call him Scooby. And uh, there's always some Scooby stories, because he was a fucking character. And he was, yeah, he was he was the gift that uh, they kept on giving around the office with just just great stories. And one of those would be, hey, first of all, Scooby, on my first day, like he trained me on everything. I, st- I started with this company. This was February of 2009. It was the day after the Super Bowl, February 2nd, 2009. And I was there until August 10th, I believe, August 10th of, uh, of 2010. And uh, on my first day, <laughs> my first day, Scooby's telling me to keep my resume updated because I probably won't last long because the, everything's doomed. The company's going to go under layoffs left and right. You probably won't be here for more than a few months. None of us will. Get your resume out there. Get looking at jobs. I thought, okay, what have I done? What have I done? But it ended up being one of the great decisions, career and personal decisions that I've made was to go to that place and spend 18 months with those guys just laughing our fucking asses off. 
having a great time. I mean, got a ton of work done. You know, we were really, we were good. We were like one of the, I think we were like the profitable arm of the whole, you know, the whole place, the whole credit union that, uh, that we worked under. Anyway, it doesn't matter who cares about that. Uh, Scooby was, was just an interesting fella. And one of the things that made him so interesting was, uh, he didn't, at the time that I worked there, he didn't have children. He was married. He didn't have children. But one time during the middle of the summer, he took like a week off because he was home building a swing set, doing the concrete, you know, the foundation and putting the swing set together, getting this whole like plot of land ready and then putting the swing set together. And so we would all ask him like, hey, so like, is your wife pregnant? Do you have kids on the way? Is there anything? No, no, no kids, no, no wife, no, no pregnant, no nothing. And so, of course, naturally, what do you do? When a grown-ass adult in his, I don't know, at the time, late 30s, early 40s, I don't know how old Scooby is, but uh, but Scooby didn't have any kids, and he's uh, spending quite a bit of time putting up the swing set. So naturally, uh, what are you going to do? What else are you going to do if you work with somebody like that? Clearly, it's time to open up the... Uh, open up the vault of, uh, you know, child molester-related hu- humor. And so that's what we did, uh, relentlessly and endlessly, just uh, <laughs> jokes that I won't even, uh, I, w- I actually will not probably repeat. But, you know, lots of things about, uh, you know, having the ice cream man come over and all the neighborhood kids and Scooby was going to get a buy a good humor truck to go with the swing set and drive around the neighborhood and get the kids over to the swing set in the backyard. You know, just wildly, uh, wildly appropriate things for the workplace. And, uh, yeah, lots of Scooby related things. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, one, one time we had a, we had a workplace scavenger hunt and uh, every, every hour a new email would come out with a word jumble and you, and you had to scramble the scrambled words. And then that's where the next clue for the scavenger hunt would be. They did all kinds of this shit over at that place. It was just like, it was like Dunder Mifflin all day long. Like just, you know, Hey, we're, you know, we're going to lay off more people, you know, money's not so great. Uh, you know, capital's not so great. This, everything's doom and gloom. So let's just have, you know, cookouts and fucking games and prizes and parties and, you know, all that shit all day long. It was great. It was a great, a fucking great time to be alive because I realized, I soon realized that not every place does things like that. So anyway, they've got these, these scavenger hunt emails coming out and one of them has a word jumble and it says, uh, despite life's ups and downs, this will always get you where you need to go. And it was just a sim- was elevator. The word scramble was elevator. So I would take the, uh, so I would take that word scramble. I would take the email and then I, I wrote my own and I did it in the exact font and the exact format that they had sent it out. And then I sent it to Jim and Chris and Matt and, and Scooby too, I believe. And, uh, I had, I wrote, despite life's back and forths, this will always lure children into your backyard. And of course the, the scrambled word was swing set. And, uh, yeah, Scooby was not a particularly huge fan of that joke as well as all the uh, the good humor ice cream man we would we would send emails back and forth to each other you know hey i found uh i found uh, scooby's been doing some online shopping i found some new uh, workplace uniforms and it was you know, the good humor man outfit the ice cream man outfit and all that shit and so uh yeah but it turns out of course this the swing set would later be be used for children uh again not his own he still doesn't have any kids he just has a swing set 
Um, and he, you know, he just kind of rocks back and forth on the swing set all day while the kids ride by on their bikes and scooters. Oh, Christ. <laughs> yeah, those were fun times, though. So many jokes. So many inappropriate jokes about Scooby, the swing sets, the ice cream, and the kids. Like I said, what a time to be alive. And again, this was one of the rare times, though. Like, Jim Jim was pretty good at giving out nicknames. You know, he gave Scooby his nickname. Uh, he had a lot, a lot of nicknames for a lot of people. Jim was somebody who would, like, take... He would take, like, a real uh, front page of, like, a web, a news, you know, one of those aggregate websites like Drudge or Huffington Post or something like that. And then he would he would make a fake headline and then send it about about somebody, you know, their division from the, the credit union. Well, you know, we work for this balance sheet solutions, which was a credit union uh, service organization, a, a subsidiary of the credit, union, corporate big credit union. And so there were many different little QSOs, as they were called, credit union service organizations. And so he did one, uh, one day his, his buddy, uh, also named Jim, a.k.a. the doctor, he sent a, a fake headline that says Members United, which was the credit union at the time, Members United Federal Corporate uh, Federal Credit Union jettisons ill-conceived QSO next works QSO, which was where the doctor worked, and then the doctor calls Jim in a panic, saying, "Oh my, oh my God, it's the end. We're finished. I can't believe it. We're on the front page of the Drudge Report. It's over." And all kinds of wacky things like there's so many characters. We'll we'll get into that stuff, but Jim was. On another podcast, but Jim was uh, Jim was pretty good at making up nicknames. I would give myself. There, there was this one guy. He called himself the ch- he called himself the Chicken Hawk. He was this sales guy, and he was kind of a moron and an asshole, and just you know everybody, you know we're all we're laughing at you, not with you. Kind of one of those kind of guys. Everybody knows plenty of those folks, and he would take clients out. And just spend thousands, and thousands of dollars, and it would go absolutely nowhere. You'd just give them, I don't know, iPads and you know, expensive dinners and things like that, and nothing would come of it. And the guy took like, I'm all for paternity leave, but this guy had like four kids, and then he had like a fifth or a sixth kid, and he took like all this time off of paternity leave, and he routinely, you know, he just. Just kind of a dope, let's be honest. Just sort of a dope. And he called himself Chicken Hawk for reasons that are completely unknown to me. And uh, so I decided one day that I just made up a name for myself. I started signing my emails. If he called himself Chicken Hawk, I mean, whatever the fuck a Chicken Hawk is. So I started signing my emails Ice Penguin. Because I thought, hey, if we can just, you know, call ourselves some kind of bird name, I'll, I'll be the Ice Penguin. And so that stuck. So I gave myself that name. Uh, but, uh, yeah, even even to this day, whenever Jim sends me an email, he uh, he addresses me as Ice, which uh, which is also fitting because of you know going back to high school and Doctor Ice. Now I've become Ice to to in a very small circle. I'm the Ice Penguin or just Ice. Um, you know, one of my many nicknames like Alco Boy, the MF and Kid, Johnny Funk. Some a few small people call me Johnny Funk. Oh, some people call me pumpkins because one time uh, my friend jody overheard john chanter saying hey where's hopkins and she said what did you i thought you said where's pumpkins so they started calling me pumpkins and uh, a lot of that caught on a lot at, at bank of america people calling me pumpkins uh hopsy that was another name at barnes and noble folks like to call me hopsy which i actually i fucking hated that name but whatever <laughs> it's all in good fun it was all out of love hopsy
Uh, speaking of John Chanter, who would call me Pumpkins at B of A, that was another character. You know, I, I guess I've spent a lot of my career having people barge in on me in the bathroom, sometimes uh, unintentionally, you know, like Turgeon, just trying to find me to go to lunch. And then somebody like John Chanter at B of A, where, you know, we'd come back from the Indian place after lunch, and of course everybody, everybody would hit the bathroom. And uh, he would do things like when I was in the bathroom, he would, he would come in and uh, pretend that he was on a walkie-talkie. He would pretend that he was security and say things like, ah, we've, we've located the perp. Uh, yes, uh, flashing, flashing. We've located the flasher. Uh, he's in stall number two. And then he would start laughing and then he would run out. And then one time he came and he would sit next to me in the stall next to me and he would just um, he would start m making the picture-taking sound effect, you know, with his phone. He would just, yeah, he would just get in the stall next to me and just go. And I would not know that it was him. And I'd be like, what the fuck is happening? Why does this shit always happen to me in the men's room? And then he would just start laughing and he'd run out. And I would say, you motherfucker. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, one one time, uh, that, that happened in the men's room. One thing that also happened that was a whole lot of fun was one time I... Uh, we were we were uh, working in this building in Charlotte in Ballantyne, and then they moved us to a different. They moved us to the floor above or the floor below. I don't really remember. Or maybe it was the next building. It was it was the you know there was an opposite building. There were two you know sister buildings, whatever you call it. And so we had to move to this other side, uh, this other floor or this other building, which was basically the exact the exact the exact you know just the opposite footprint so everything on on one building was on the left side and then the other thing is on the right side yada 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 uh, this was the case for the restrooms as well so it was my first day uh, joining with you know over in this new building it looks exactly everything looks and feels the same the elevators the bread you know it's all the same except just slightly you know, everything's just kind of flip-flop from, from what we had been used to for the last year or so. So I got up to go to the bathroom, and I was just used to coming around the corner and just bursting right into the door on the left and doing what I had to do and then leaving. So in this particular building, I did exactly that. I burst right into the door on the left. Luckily, it was just number one, not number two. So I burst into the door on the left, uh... You know, I noticed it was nicer than what I was used to. You know, the tones and the colors were a little bit softer. There were more, you know, lavenders, and it's, uh, it seemed like a, a more inviting place than what I was used to from the men's room. But uh, I also noticed, hey, it's odd that they don't have urinals in here, but maybe, you know, maybe that's part of just the wave of the future is let's just, you know, let's eliminate that stuff and, I don't know. I seemed odd, and you know, hey, there's a tampon dispenser. Nah, whatever. That's it's uh, things are changing. The world's changing. What do I know? So I, I went and uh, finished what I had to do, and then I was washing my hands, and then uh, the other stall door opened, and out comes a female employee of the bank. And then that's when, in that instant, everything immediately clicked because for me, things don't click 
very quickly. Sometimes like when I walk into the woman's room and I notice tampon dispensers and no urinals and lots of pinks and purples and lavender colors and it smells nicer and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a more inviting. I, I thought nothing. I thought, wow, this is a much nicer men's room than what I'm used to. And of course, then it's finally when I'm washing my hands and a woman comes out of the stall and now we're both staring at each other our reflections in the mirror were just uh, staring at each other and I luckily I was done washing my hands and I just said oh my god I said I am sorry I am very sorry I'm sorry I'm very sorry I am sorry the other building and then I got you know I'm trying to I'm trying to like logically explain like I didn't just I'm not just like barging into your bathroom because I'm a fucking perv and so I'm like, I'm, I, I'm not, I'm like trying to explain this to her. I'm like, instead of just leaving, instead of just like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And then running out the door, I was standing there like chatting with her to, I was trying to make her feel comfortable. The only thing that would have made her feel comfortable is for me to like get the fuck out of there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then run out the door. Instead, I thought, you know what? Let's, let's fix this. And so I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh my God. I didn't know. I, I'm the other building. It's the other side. It's the opposite side. I got uh, the right side and the left side. And I'm, I just, I didn't, it was just pee. I only peed. I, I didn't poop. I was just peeing. And I don't know if you were peeing or pooping. It doesn't matter. You don't have to tell me. I'm not, I don't want to know, but if you were, it's whatever it was is okay. Cause this is your bathroom and I'm going to leave now because I shouldn't be here anyways. I'm really, really sorry. And I'm probably going to see you a lot because it's not a very big office space and not many of these cubes are occupied. So I'm probably going to see you every day. So just don't just pretend this didn't happen. And I'm really sorry. And you have tampons in this bathroom, which is really nice. I think that's a good thing that you should have them in here for women. Cause you never know when you're going to need one. And I'm really sorry. And I'm just going to go and I'm going to leave now and so I said all of that and then I left and I went back to my desk and uh, there was John Chanter and I'm he's like what he goes what happened to you <laughs> obviously I, my face was probably bright red and then you know I looked you know fucking mortified as I was and so I explained to him what happened and I said yeah I blah 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 I went I'm so used to just going in the door on the left because that's the men's room that's what I'm used to and now I just didn't even look I'm just used to not even looking I just burst right in I did my business as it were and I'm washing my hands and this blah 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 and he goes yeah yeah opposite footprint of the uh, of the other building I'm like yeah exactly and he's like yeah he's like it's happened to me like four times already don't worry about it I'm like <laughs> okay <laughs> oh I mean, one time, it's a pretty honest mistake. I, I just made the mistake once. I'm, I'd like to think I'm not going to make it again, but four times, Chanter. Wow, that's, uh, that's pretty impressive, buddy. There's, uh, you get to a point where that's uh, not accidental. <laughs> oh, hello. This concludes part one of episode 14 of the Birthday Boy podcast. Please tune to part two of episode 14 of the Birthday Boy podcast now. Thank you 